Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mark Thiessen at the bottom of the hour. Appreciate having him on and his insight. He has also also just interviewed the President of the United States. Uh, We also got to tell you, too, uh, that we are looking at 15 days, 15 days into the next election. And so far, the one thing you'd have to say is the American people are responding 27 million people have voted. In 2016, 7 million had voted. 55% of the Democrats, which is not a great sign for the president, but expected. It was predicted. 24% of Republicans. 60% say uh, of Republicans say they'll vote on Election Day. The problem the Republicans have is money. The Democrats have insane amount of money raised, outspending on the presidential election two to one. We'll see if money buys you an election. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The U.S. is averaging more than 56,000 new cases a day now, up 60% in five weeks. Remember, cases are what's known as a leading indicator. First more cases, then more hospitalizations, then more death. Nearly the entire country is either trending the wrong way or at best treading water. Well, keep in mind, too, uh, our treatment's gotten better. Uh, The therapies have gotten better. Uh, the immunity stuff, uh, treatment has gotten better. So it doesn't necessarily mean uh, hospitalizations and deaths. A second wave blanket Europe, uh, Europe, ominous signs of spread here as 36 states trend up on both sides. Give one last shot at a rescue package to help the tens of thousands of families and businesses suffering across the country. Get it done. Number two. A new Gallup poll shows that most Americans agree with what Donald Trump has done uh, with his policy positions over Biden. They just don't like his behavior. That's why that next debate is so important. Trump has to be on his best behavior. That's true. Stephen Moore sounds like he's being held hostage, but you know what he means, The Economist. Two big, consequential, impactful events this week. A Supreme Court nominee gets a committee vote, and we finally get another presidential debate. What will this mean for both parties' election hopes? I'll weigh in, along with my concerns for the topics and the moderator. Number one. President Trump is winning in these rural parts of the country in unprecedented uh, numbers. I mean, the hard thing for these pollsters, they can't measure this kind of disparity between the rural parts of this country and what's happening in the suburbs. Reince Priebus weighing in. He's back with the campaign. 15 days until Election Day, already a stunning uh, amount of people are involved in the process. Biden and the Dems have the money and they have the media, but Trump has the momentum, the crowds, and an unfolding Biden scandal which people try to marginalize. So the the scandal is with the New York Post. Uh, Hunter Biden seems to have signed an invoice and dropped off a laptop to be fixed. That is not a Russian disinformation campaign. So read the story, read the emails, tell me if it changes your vote. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And if it doesn't, if you are uh, on the fence and you look at Hunter Biden, you might say, well, this guy's an addict. All right, fine. But can you see that he's doing multi-million dollar deals with Ukraine? And with China, and he's got his dad involved. Does that bother you? Because that's a fact. 
and they don't deny the emails, and it's not Russian disinformation. In fact, John Radcliffe has just said it, and it was backed up by Mark Meadows on Fox and Friends about a half hour ago, which we're on, which I'm on. Um, he says it's funny. The same people who complain that most intelligence has been politicized are the ones politicizing the intelligence. Uh, he says, let's be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that there is any intelligence that supports that Russia has anything to do with that, as Adam Schiff came out and said. But let's look at 2020. It looks as though, like 2016, President, Vice President Biden has it in the driver's seat in a lot of these battleground states and a few others where the president's making him play defense in Minnesota and Nevada. That's true. And he's got two-to-one advantage in spending, which is criminal because this administration has been running for re-election for four years. Where did all the money go? Trump did not put it in his pocket. He's out there blue-collaring it between three, four events a day. You know what Joe Biden is doing? Joe Biden is staying in doing debate prep for, prep for five days and took off Saturday. That guy thinks he won already. President Trump did seven events last week, and he's doing, as I mentioned, two to five a day. In Pennsylvania, Biden ran 38 different ads during a single week, a sign of how comprehensive his effort is. Joe Biden of the DNC has raised $383 million in September, $248 million for Trump, who had to do a fundraiser in Newport Beach. Here's what Trump has. He's got this thing called grassroots momentum I've never seen in any presidential candidate in my lifetime. There was a huge parade uh, on Long Island, a place he's not supposed to win. There was a huge parade. They lined up in the streets to see the president's limo in Newport Beach, Orange County, California. Uh, He's not going to win California, but it shows the people that are going to vote for him in those areas will show up, maybe for the congressional candidate in Orange County. So here is Reince Priebus on how we should not fall in love with the polls. Cut one. Aside from, you know, working class white voters, suburban women, one of the other things that's going on in this country is that President Trump is winning in these rural parts of the country in unprecedented uh, numbers. I mean, we have northern Wisconsin, that's like center Wisconsin to the north. President Trump won by 18 points in 2016. Mm -hmm. Today, he's pushing 30 points ahead in rural America with enthusiasm off the charts. Yes, it's a little bit down in the suburbs. But the hard thing for these pollsters, Margaret, as you bring up, is that they can't measure this kind of disparity between the rural parts of this country and what's happening in the suburbs. So So you think he's still going to win Wisconsin? Well, I got to tell you, I I saw the CBS poll this morning, and I'm not spinning you. Um, I was slightly (laughs) encouraged by it because in the real clear politics average in Wisconsin in 2016, the president was actually down by six and a half points, and he won. So that is uh, Reince Priebus back involved. I said he should have been involved months ago. I don't care if you're a fan of his. He understands the electorate. Do you know what this guy did? This guy helped lead a charge to overturn state houses. And he began to get governors in place. And those governors, during those eight years of President Obama, ended up helping congressional candidates take root. And they gradually took back the House. And they now had a dominating uh, advantage, 53 seats in the Senate. So please tell me where that's mirrored anywhere else. So Reince Priebus might not have been the best chief of staff, but he knew what he was doing. He understands the electorate, and him and the president got along. Maybe at the end, I don't love what the president did at the end, the way, they let, the way the president lets people go, but that's his thing. Now, my concern about the debates. Listen to these topics. Economy. Good. We need the economy. Please spend a lot of time there. Next, health care. Okay. Fine. 
president's got a weakness on that. He can't just say, I got rid of the mandate. Next, Supreme Court appointments. Those are these, these are the top issues I should be saying. These are the top issues that people care about. Next, the coronavirus outbreak and the fifth violent crime. Those are the top issues for the, for the electorate. Now, let me tell you what they're doing in the debates. COVID-19. Okay, got to be in there. Get it. American families. Okay. President's got to parry that and make that the economy because the economy didn't make the list. Race in America, you know what they're going to say for a Republican. They're going to call them racist. They've got to go back to Charlottesville. The president's got to calmly and coolly knock them out of the park. He's got to have opportunity zone stats to understand it. Talk about employment during his time. And then talk about what is happening in the cities. And then talk about Tim Scott's plan in terms of uh, law enforcement reform or updating. Climate change, please. Again, we're doing this again. The president's going to say, I want clean air and clean water. He's going to say, I got this green deal. But it's not a new green deal. It's my green deal. National security. Okay. That'll help the president to a degree. But he'll also have to parry that to the military and get specific about what was hollowed out when Joe Biden left and sneak in. Secretary of Defense Gates said, Joe Biden has been wrong about every major national security and foreign policy decision over the last 40 years. That's a fact from the President Obama's first Secretary of Defense and leadership. Let's talk about leadership. And then you could parry in. You're going to have to force in this China situation, this Ukraine situation as it relates to Hunter Biden. But you could be sure Kristen Welker is going to be cutting him off. And the president's got to be relentless. When it moves topics, the president says, okay, I'll get to that in a second. Do the Mike Pence. But I want to go back to what Joe Biden just said. And he's got to be allowed to finish because those are the rules. And he's got to have his people tell Kristen Welker, whose parents are big Democratic donors. And in 2004 and 2012, she was a registered Democrat. And she's had nothing but hostile, disrespectful tone and questions to the press secretary and to the president directly. So I can't believe that she's been chosen again after the controversy that we just saw chosen again. So don't worry. The press is out there hunting down Joe Biden to make him answer questions about the new Green Deal, answer questions about how he howled out the military, answer questions about those emails. Or they could ask this when he went for an ice cream with his granddaughter. Cut nine. Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden, what flavor did you get? You believe this? What flavor did you get? What do you have to say about your son's emails and international business dealings? Why won't you answer any of these questions? Will you tell me if these emails are authentic? Why would your son drop off a laptop to a Delaware computer store and not pick it up for 90 days? What do you know about the laptop being brought to the FBI? And this is what I think is so important, and I'll emphasize this. This is off Adam Housley's tweet uh, that he had over the weekend, a great reporter that was here at Fox for a while. When this laptop was dropped off, It wasn't that the owner wanted to work on Hunter Biden's laptop. He brought in three and he left one. When he didn't come back from 90 days, he looked at it. And when he realized what was on it, he didn't call the press. He called the FBI. 
Then he went to Senator Biden and Senator, Senator Johnson and Senator Lee's office. Then he reached out to Rudy and got his lawyer. That's when he got a copy. The FBI picked it up. He made a copy and he contacted these venues because he's a Republican. He said, I saw what was going on with this impeachment and I thought the American public's not getting the true deal. But what's so important is he called the FBI. And the question needs to be answered this week is, what did the FBI do? Or is this computer guy not telling the truth? one 408 As you can tell, I got a lot to say. You have a lot to say. There's just 15 days left. And there's a candidate who's leading the race to become president who refuses to submit to any tough questions and got away without a debate, too, and got, a de- got, a- got away without really defending his record in debate one. That's got to change on Thursday. Hopefully there's still enough people to vote by that time to make a different decision. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Your call's next. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I wish we were spending a lot more time going into foreign policy, especially as President Trump has these peace deals that he's able to point to. But when you talk about style and you talk about approach, I do think that President Trump is going to give Joe Biden a little bit more room to explain himself on some of these issues, whether it is, are you the chairman? Are you the big guy, as we've seen articulated in these emails? Do you support packing the court? I do think the president's going to want to hear Joe Biden's answer on some of these, and we'll uh, definitely give him all the time that Joe Biden wants to talk about packing the court. I think he's going to get it on Thursday. Yeah, basically Chris Coon said, yeah, if they go ahead and put Amy Coney Barrett on, they are looking to reconfigure uh, the court. So that is unbelievable. Chris, listen on WSBA in York, Pennsylvania. Chris. Hey, Brian, uh, longtime listener here. Love listening to you while I'm at work. Um, I'm from York, PA, a pretty uh, controversial battleground area. And I think the polls are wrong based on the Trump signs I see uh, compared to Biden. Based on the advertisements I see on Facebook that target Pennsylvanians, a lot of it's critical of Biden. Um, Another thing I just wanted to say, aside from the controversial uh, Hunter Biden email issues, I think the question that 
a moderator needs to ask Joe Biden is how can you say you want to fix the unemployment issue but want to shut down the government at the same time? Uh, he d- he does. He do both. Well, if the scientists tell him, Chris, he's going to do it again, even though uh, Fauci even says, I don't think we should have a lockdown again, even though the WHO said we don't recommend total lockouts. But he says, I'll do whatever the scientists want. And keep in mind, he also wants to have a $15 minimum wage. I want people to make money, but I don't want to destroy small businesses who have already been cut back. Now you're going to go tell them to hire waiters and hostesses and bartenders at $15 an hour? That's what he wants to do. Absolutely. He clearly does not have business. Absolutely under the Trump tax, tax cuts. There's no, been no regulation. It's all been encouraged and grassroots, and wages are going up on their own. Well, without Pennsylvania, he doesn't win. So, Chris, that's an important moment, uh, important information for us. Jerry, WHIO in Dayton. Jerry. Hey, Brian. Love the show. Thank you. Uh, I got two questions. One, as far as the investigation goes with A.G. Barr, is this bigger than anybody could imagine? And it just can't open up the door because it's just going to reveal too many people. I, I One has to believe that because why I just I don't for lack of better terms, the dragging of the feet when he has all the information. Well, what are Second you talking about? The question, Durham, the Durham thing? Yeah. Well, no, you can't. You can't make. You know, when you give someone like Durham his own latitude, and you give him, you know, you give him the budget, you can't tell him what to wrap up. You can't. I mean, we couldn't wrap up Mueller. You know, we couldn't wrap up uh, the impeachment investigation. It's got a course to take. So they said if he couldn't get it done by August, well, evidently this coronavirus really screwed up his investigation because they couldn't get their guys into work. They couldn't go ahead and have those meetings. Okay. So that was part of it. So I don't think it's in numbers, but thanks, Jerry. I appreciate it. I don't think that's it. Uh, there's a lot there. But I will, I will say that I think there's obviously problems with Hunter Biden. And I don't think people should say, why are you beating up on a guy that's addicted to crack? Everyone's got a person in their lives that their friends or family that's been addicted. No problem. But they don't do international business for the most part that I know of on their dad's name. And their dad doesn't happen to be vice president of the United States. It, we, I lose the compassion for the addiction as soon as I see our country's security in the balance. And reporters, normally dogged pursuing a story, have no interest. But they have no problem looking at the Atlantic story, which was rejected by Zach Fuentes, chief of staff by General Kelly, and was rejected by John Bolton, the latest Trump hater, as not being true, not being factual, saying the president called dead American soldiers losers. Uh, I don't, and uh, I, I, losers and something else uh, negative. So I don't understand why you're going to run with the Atlantic story built on hearsay, built on hearsay, but are going to just, uh, shelve anybody's Twitter handle or Facebook account if they retweet a story that consists of Hunter Biden's actual emails. Don, in Montreal, Canada, Don. Yeah, I like your books, uh, Brian. Thank you. I'm just calling uh, to say about uh, the National Committee, uh, the Republican Committee has let uh, Trump down with their advertising. I'd like to see more videos. The one video I'd like to see would be a split screen. On the left-hand side is Maxine Waters uh, begging her gums about uh, uh, getting their faces in the, yeah. in the restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the right side, we'll show the success that she's had with the message uh, to show the burning down of Portland. I hear you. And you know, when, you know what kind of video you have to use, Don, for Portland? Last night's video. You know what you have to use for Seattle's uh, v- video? Last night, where a guy walked up with a lit torch and threw it inside a cop car. 
It is anarchy, and there's no condemnation. 39 Seattle officers have retired in September. Is law and order gone out the window? Next, Mark Thiessen. What does the president have to do to finish up? What was he like when he talked to him? We'll find out. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Most of us never voted for a Democrat in our lives. Never thought about it. Because most of us are lifelong Republicans. But we're Americans first. We understand the character and experience and, and frankly, the empathy required for leadership. Because we've seen it firsthand when we all served with the 43rd president. But come election day, every last one of us on this team is voting for Biden. Let's put Joe Biden in the White House. He'll be a solid 46. Uh, There you go. So uh, former Bush uh, uh, appointees are siding with, at least some of them, are siding with Joe Biden. Great. And they could pack the court and foreign policy will go in the tank as well as uh, defense will be hollowed out once again. Isn't that fantastic? We can sign back into the Iranian deal and get in the Paris uh, climate change. Man, they're principled. Mark Thiessen joins us now, former chief presidential speechwriter George W. for George W. Bush himself, uh, an outstanding contributor to this, uh, this network and Washington Post columnist. Mark, are you part of the 43? No. I'm not well, I'm part of 43. I'm not part of the uh, 43 alumni for, uh, for Biden. Uh, I, I think I tweeted out I dissent. <laughs> that, how many people do you know out? on that list? It's not a lot of people. I mean, if you, when they put out their list initially, it was, very, it was mostly very low-level people, and it's not. It, there's, I don't see a lot of senior people. Uh, there were a handful of, of, of uh, higher-level people, but you know, most most are either on the sidelines or supporting Trump. Most people I know and uh, are uh, want to see the president reelected. Look, I mean, what's at stake in this election? Put aside your personal feelings about Trump, right? You know, the, what the Democrats are going to do if they get power, they are going to get rid of the legislative filibuster, which means there will be literally unchecked power on, the, uh, on Joe Biden and, and, and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, right? Because the only way – if Joe Biden wins, he's probably going to win the Senate, right? Not, but not a 60-vote majority, which is what you need to break through to, to break a filibuster. And so the only check on their power will be the Senate minority. The Republicans in the Senate, they get rid of the legislative filibuster. That means they can pass anything they want without any compromise with the Republicans. I mean, the whole point of the filibuster is it forces you to compromise and try to win some consensus behind what you're doing. Um, and and they won't have to do that. So they'll pass any version of the Green New Deal they want, any any version of any tax increase, any spending plans, whatever they want, carte blanche to pass anything. But that's not it. They're gonna they're gonna use that to pack the court. They're going to pack the Senate. By adding states, they're going to add the District of Columbia for sure uh, as a state, and they probably will add Puerto Rico, which will give them four more Democratic senators. And the reason they're going to do that is because if they do all this crazy legislative stuff, getting rid of the filibuster and passing all this legislation, there's going to be a backlash, concerted backlash in this country that will make the Tea Party look mild. 
and they know that they need to pad their majority before uh, before yeah. the election Mark, to, to make sure the Republicans can't take back the Senate. And, and you know, stop. these clowns with the Lincoln Project and these clowns that signed this form, everybody loves Bush 43. I think he's going to go down as a much better president than anyone imagines. He had the toughest decisions possible. Amen. I know that he's also shown the class again, even though uh, he went to war with his brother, Jeb Bush. Jeb 43 keeps his mouth shut. He says, I, listen, my time's done. I don't want to hurt anybody either way. And you can have rumors about who he voted for, but they're rumors. They're not from him. Yep. He's got too much Absolutely. class. And what people yep. don't understand is all these people complaining about with the behavior of the tweets, they're seeing Omi, uh, Amy Coney Barrett being the third Supreme Court justice confirmed. They're seeing a historic tax cut go. They saw the military uh, built up, and they saw the VA built up, and it's got an incredible amount of attention. This is the Republican agenda. They saw a wall built and a crackdown on illegal immigrants across our country. They saw two international trade deals done, maybe three, which was on the precipice, or at least round one was, before this plague. And the first Middle East peace deals in in 25 years. They're going to be the first complaining. They're going to be the first complaining. What's happened to our country? Uh, Joe Biden's not in charge. AOC and her policies, the Green New Deal, it stopped fracking from growing. It stopped oil from being produced. It stopped offshore drilling from taking place. And and they're going to be the first ones complaining. No doubt. No doubt. You're 100% right. And look, you know, there was this rumor recently, you know, there was this discussion of about a week ago about whether they should put a mute button on the on the debaters, right? And obviously the president of the United States is not going to let some uh, Steve Scully or anybody like that mute him, right? And they never should. But it it provokes an interesting thought experiment for these, for these you know, 43 alumni and other conservatives who are uh, who are anti-Trump. If, he, if, if there was a mute button on this presidency, what would you be complaining about, right? I mean, look at the things he's done. If, if I went to you in – if I went to some of these people in 2015 and said, there's going to be a Republican nominee, um, and this is – and he's going to he's going to let – me, let me just describe to you what's going to happen over the next four years. He's going to beat Hillary Clinton and end the Clinton political machine forever. He's going to come in and pass the largest tax – the first tax reform since Ronald Reagan is going to unleash – uh, unprecedented economic growth, lowest unemployment we've had in 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 since records were kept for African Americans and for Hispanic voters. He's going to put three Supreme Court justices on the court and lock in the conservative majority for a generation. He's going to put on two hundred over two hundred judges on the federal courts of appeal and district courts. He's going to move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. And he's going to get the first Middle East peace deals in 25 years. He's going to kill. The, the leader of ISIS and take away their caliphate. He's going to kill Soleimani and push back the Iranian regime. Would you sign up for this? Of course. Every one of them would have said yes. And 400 and so miles of wall. The, the, and they don't care about the wall, but the 43 alumni people as much as that. But, but, all the, but, but all the other conservative accomplishments that are things that all conservatives agree on. Every, everybody agrees on. You would have signed up for it. So what's the problem? The problem is they don't like the way Trump talks. So listen um, to listen to Ben. Says, I don't like some of the things that Donald Trump says, but you know this is about getting. What is the presidency about? I mean, look, I'm a, I, I'm not going to tell you that words don't matter. I was a former presidential speechwriter. Well, presidential words matter, but what matters more is what he does and what Joe Biden is going to do. And so, yes, Joe Biden, you'll get nicer words. Uh, you'll you'll get you, you know that, but he's not going to unify the country. It's a lie because he's going to get rid of the filibuster and do all these divisive things. He's not going to compromise with the with so, the Republicans in the Senate. So I got two. I got two stations in Nebraska, and and when I went to speak in Nebraska, when I brought up Ben Sass's name, 
They booed. And I said, wait a second. You know, they had some differences, but he's a conservative Republican. I thought he was a good guy. wrote a really interesting book. He was a smart guy. But, you know, he had problems with the president. But he's not Mitt Romney, and he wasn't Jeff Flake. But listen to this unprovoked attack. Cut 10. There are obviously a lot of places where he and I differ as well. Um, and these aren't just mere policy issues. So the, the way he kisses dictators' butts, I mean, the way he um, ignores that the Uyghurs are in literal concentration camps in Xinjiang. The United States now regularly sells out our allies under his leadership. The way he treats women and spends like a, a drunken sailor, he mocks um, evangelicals behind closed doors. His, his family has treated the presidency like a business opportunity. He's flirted with white supremacists. I think we are, we are staring down the barrel of a blue tsunami, and we've got to hold the Senate, and so that's what I'm focused on. I'm not, I'm not focused on Donald Trump. Does that going to help you hold the Senate? Do you want to take on that witness? No, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard to say. You know, I mean, first of all, the Uyghurs, who, who's done more for, uh, for to, to be tough on China than Donald Trump? He sanctioned China over the Uyghurs. He sanctioned them over their over their treatment of Hong Kong. So it's just not true, uh, some of it. But two, why would you say that in the middle of an election? So, I mean, look, and and on why would he say that? And then also, you know, Donald Trump should just ignore it. You know, we, we the fact is we need Ben Sass's vote in the Senate. I mean, he's going to win his reelection. But, but you know, we, you don't want to lose that fact. Uh, we don't. We can't afford to lose any senators because we're fighting an uphill battle to keep the Senate. And if Donald Trump gets reelected, but we lose the Senate, then he's not going to get anything done. So right. you know, this whole this whole controversy, starting with Sass, started it. Um, Trump should rise above it and ignore it. Um, it, it it's just not helpful at all. I agree, and it's just totally unprovoked, especially when he spent last week questioning uh, Amy Coney Barrett. So he questions her. He realizes how great it is she's going to be on the Supreme Court. Do you know why she's going to be on the Supreme Court? Because there was one candidate that would find a way to beat the Clinton machine, and he won. And he won because he was totally different from anybody else. A traditional Republican would not have won. So you take the good with the bad tweets and you say, well, you know what? This is going to be a third Supreme Court justice. There's hundreds of judges on the uh, have been seated. He has really give us a reason to be proud proud of our defense again. And don't worry. By the way, the whole thing selling out our allies and kissing up with dictators. I don't love the way he talks to Vladimir Putin, but I love the fact that he walked away from that missile treaty. I love the fact that he built up armor on the on the wet, on the easternmost border of all these NATO nations. I love the fact that he has called um, Angela Merkel into account because she's taking natural gas from Vladimir Putin instead of from us. And I love the fact that he brought more money into NATO. There's no reason to call him and out. It, what, gave and gave javelin missiles to the Ukrainians. Thank you. you. Know, which the Obama administration, you know, gave them meals ready to eat. He gave them RP, MR, he gave them, they gave him MREs. He gave them RPG. You know, so, they, they didn't want, they didn't want MREs. They wanted weapons to defend themselves. So Mark, you had a chance to speak with the president and you said yes. he is confident about reelection. What do you think? So we had him on our podcast called What the Hell is Going On? And urge everybody to go out and listen to it and subscribe. Uh, and uh, look, he's, he's very confident of re-election. He thinks that the polls are wrong. He pointed out to uh, – the, there was a poll that showed that most of your – most people think their neighbors are going to vote for Trump, and a lot of people lie to pollsters. Uh, so he pointed that. The one thing that – the question I asked him, it, it, I really wish urge people to listen to it because it's a different side of Donald Trump than most people see. He spent a lot of time talking about – how he thinks we, we asked him, you know, are, one of the things that's holding back a lot of people who, you know, because you look at the polls, 56 percent of Americans say I'm better off now than I was four years ago. But only 42 percent say they're voting for Trump. Right. So there's a gap there. Why are those people not 
saying they're going to vote for Donald Trump. And it's it's the words. It's the chaos, it's, uh, that, which is not all his uh, all his fault. It's the Russia investigation. It's the impeachment and all the rest of it. People are just tired of everybody fighting in Washington. And they think maybe some people think maybe if, if uh, you know, Biden comes in, then they'll then the, the, it'll all end. Right. And and I asked him, you know, how are you what what's your message to people who are worried about for that? If they reelect you, there'll be four more years of chaos. And what he said was success will unite the country. That, that he thinks that it's going to – if he wins re-election, they're probably going to have to accept that he's president. And he said, it, he said it, happened, it was starting to happen for about one or two months after impeachment. After impeachment failed, the Democrats were coming up to me and saying, let's work together. Let's get some things done. And then all of a sudden, uh, COVID came, and everybody went back to the fort because they saw it all and they thought he was vulnerable and they could beat him. Because, and, and so he thinks if he wins re-election – it's not going to be four more years of this. It's going to be where yeah. going to, he's going to be able to unite the country. And that's a message that he hasn't been sending enough um, and that he hasn't been talking about enough. And he talks about it on the podcast. And he has, it's a really fascinating uh, uh, look. So I urge you all to go and yeah. listen to the, to the he, interview. He should uh, bring that up a lot more. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is he's got to stop putting down Susan Collins. Not worth the work. Does he understand the majority and minority that it could be one Senate seat? And she's she's got to reflect her district. It's not you know, it is not Nebraska. She has to win in a very independent minded, nonpartisan playing field. And that means sometimes you got to walk away from the president. Sometimes you got to embrace him. He's got to understand that. Why does he not understand that? I don't under, I don't know why he doesn't. He, he just he's a counterpuncher. And so he if somebody says something bad about him, he punches back. But it's not productive. Look, she's a, a red senator in a blue state. That's not it's not a purple state. That is a blue state, except for that. What the say that other congressional district, which is very low population. Um, she needs to distance herself from Donald Trump to get to get elected. It's that simple. Uh, he should let her do that because she votes with him. Um, on most of what he needs and, and strikes out her independence when she needs to. And you know, as Ronald Reagan famously said, your 80 percent friend is not your 20 percent. Yeah. And lastly, uh, Mark, this this debate coming up on Thursday, I don't love the topics. and I don't love the moderator. Yeah. Um, yeah well, but Donald Trump needs a debate. He should have been, he, he should have been, we should have had a debate last week. The presidential debate commission is that this becomes such a joke. The idea that they unilaterally announced last week that they were changing the format of the Yeah, we're losing them. But yeah, of course, they unilaterally did it after the vice presidential debate. We'd had no chance to analyze Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. We were talking about this in the middle of Fox and Friends. And then, of course, this show. Man, a lot going on. It's always great talking to Mark. Great podcast. He also is a great columnist and, and a very insightful contributor and not part of the 43 alumni from Bush 43's administration that is voting for Joe Biden. Not close. one 408 This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with your calls and so much more. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And that's why you have to do something. You can make a difference. You can save this country. Joe, who are you talking to? (laughs) We're talking to God, George. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, here the team we love the most. 
And that's why, that's why we're going to have a V-shaped recovery, a deep V, with rippling pecs and a toned eight-pack, a swimmer's body, basically, like I have after COVID. And it's going to be beautiful. The question was, why won't you release your taxes? So I thought SNL sucked. I, I really did. And one thing I would say, that's an example. Jim Carrey was pretending to be Joe Biden where he's just Jim Carrey who looks wearing gray hair. And uh, and Alec Baldwin plays a terrible Donald Trump. He's imitating me exactly. It's not a parody. I mean, it, the stuff he does is just cruel. I, I, don't, I, I don't know where the comedy went. They're all about a point of view. And number two is if you want to know how good Amy Coney Barrett was, they did not even bring her up. They didn't bring her up on the Sunday shows. They didn't even try to make fun of her because they knew they couldn't on SNL. Uh, Janet, listen on KOLT. Hey, Janet, in Nebraska. Hi, Brian. Yeah, so many of us are so disgusted with Ben Sass. The first time around, you know, he talked the talk. And we voted for him, and he flipped. And now we are so embarrassed by him. But we have to vote for him to keep the Senate red. I know. And it's just, it's horrible. Yeah, and, and he does this late. If there was another Republican, we yeah. would vote for him and try and get Sass out. I told you, I gave a speech in Nebraska, and when I brought him up, everyone booed. Yeah, yeah. So, so And I'm, I'm, the other thing I'm so shocked at is that Cattleman's industry backed him. I couldn't believe that, because they're conservative. And yeah, he's just anti-Trump. He's just anti-Trump. I mean, that's what he is. And but you know, he is a conservative guy. I guess he says that he's spending like a drunken sailor. What are you talking about? Congress spends. Number two is what are you talking about? The tax cut? Do you not like the tax cut? Do you not like the fact that he had to take money from defense and put it to the wall? I mean, where is the spending? Paul Ryan signed off on all the spending. Did Nancy Pelosi sign off on the spending? They had an omnibus bill. Why did it become an omnibus bill? Because you guys couldn't come up with a budget. Robert, listening in North Carolina. Robert, you voted early? Yes, sir. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, excuse me, supporter of Trump uh, ever since he's been in office uh, from day one. Anyway, so yesterday I'm at early voting, uh, maybe about 150, 175 people, give or take. So an old political strategy I learned a long time ago. So uh, one gentleman said to me, um, what do you think of the races? And I said, well, I think I'm going to give Trump, uh, I'm going to give Biden a shot. I like what he says. With that said, the person <laughs> points to me and says, this guy wants to vote for Biden. I thought I was going to get swarmed by the people there. It was it was almost like a ruckus. <laughs> so you were just I, playing I, I around? Of course, of course. It, again, it's an old political strategy I learned years ago. Um, say something opposite and just see how many people are going to chime in, and then you'll know who they're really voting for. Well, I, so I'll tell again, you, I, I'm watching these parades, and they're unquantifiable. Where do these parades come from? Is a candidate really going to get trounced and routed while they're having parades through all these cities where they show up five deep in Newport Beach, California? I mean, I, there's something that's not lining up here. If Trump ends up winning this thing outright, never would read another poll again. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, this is your one-stop shopping to find out what's going on in election 2020. Jim DeMint, the bottom of the hour. Remember, he was the South Carolina senator, chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute now, and a, be- and a best-selling author. He's got a brand-new book out. And remember, Tim Scott replaced him when he decided he did not want to be a senator anymore. Uh, now there's uh, Lindsey Graham's in a tough fight in South Carolina for the other Senate seat. Michael Goodwin's coming up shortly. And keep in mind, too, the governor of New York, and we're in the middle of a mini second wave here, has written a book. Governor Cuomo's written a book on basically what a genius he is handling the pandemic. By far, the casualties are higher here than anywhere else. And you cannot say that you should take a bow, let alone writing a book and trying to sell it in the middle of a pandemic, which we're not even through yet. Only in New York can this happen. By the way, the city has never been worse in my lifetime. Congratulations, Governor. You're in charge. And yet you want people to run out and get your book. It's stunning. We're going to talk to Michael Goodwin about that shortly. But first, big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The U.S. is averaging more than 56,000 new cases a day now, up 60% in five weeks. Remember, cases are what's known as a leading indicator. First more cases, then more hospitalizations, then more death. Nearly the entire country is either trending the wrong way or at best treading water. Wait a second. Are you rooting for that to happen? Because it doesn't mean hospitalization still and deaths eventually. COVID-19, a second wave blankets Europe and ominous signs of a spread here in 36 states. They trend up right now in this country. Um, We need a rescue package. And there's some signs that something could get done, perhaps. Nancy Pelosi says 48 hours or else we'll just forget it. Really? Number two. A new Gallup poll shows that most Americans agree with what Donald Trump has done. Uh, with his policy positions over Biden. They just don't like his behavior. That's why that next debate is so important. Trump has to be on his best behavior. He does. He's got to be great. Two big, consequential, impactful events this week. Supreme Court nominee gets a committee vote, and we finally get another presidential debate. What will this mean for both parties' election hopes? I'll weigh in along with my concern for the chosen moderator, as well as the chosen topics. Number one. President Trump is winning in these rural parts of the country in unprecedented uh, numbers. I mean, the hard thing for these pollsters, they can't measure this kind of disparity between the rural parts of this country and what's happening in the suburbs. Yes, Reince Priebus is right, and I think he's helping out the campaign a little bit. 15 days until Election Day already a stunning 27 million have voted as early voting starts today in Florida. Biden and the Dems have the money and the media, but Trump has the momentum, the crowds, and an unfolding Biden scandal. Michael Goodwin, New York Post, Fox News contributor. You can follow him at mgoodwin underscore NY Post. Michael, before you, uh, before Twitter takes you off and Facebook decides <laughs> that you don't belong on there anymore, are you stunned that the fourth leading newspaper in this country had its Twitter account disabled because you you reported on emails from Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, Bryden, uh, good morning. There's an old saying, I'm shocked but not surprised. Um, that pretty much describes it here because there's there's no question that the social media giants uh, use their power to uh, push an agenda, whether it's on climate change, whether it's on politics. So they, they are clearly on the side of Joe Biden and the Democrats, the radicals. I'm, so that, that's a given. And so what they've done now by blocking the post uh, Twitter 
and and Facebook too. They, Facebook would not allow its users to uh, share this information. So they are now the great censors. They will decide. They are our masters. They will decide what we can say to our friends and what we can share with the world. Uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, Twitter did the same thing with Scott Atlas, the White House advisor. Uh, they deleted one of his tweets saying it could be harmful. The tweet was that masks don't always work, something to that effect. So, so Twitter now knows more about medicine than the White House advisors. Uh, they know more about politics than uh, New York Post reporters and editors. They know more about everything than everybody. They are, they are our masters. They decide what we can say, what we can share. And I think if this is if this is acceptable to you, then you don't understand the First Amendment, because that is one of the great freedoms that we enjoy in this country. And whether it's uh, the right to worship, the right to assembly, the right to say what we think, uh, that is now under threat by these big tech companies that enjoy a kind of dominance, a near, a near monopoly dominance that we've not seen in a very, very long time. Uh, you, have a, you have a robust and independent media across all the spectrum, whether it's radio, television, Internet, newspapers, magazines. Uh, so no one source can shut down all the others. But when it comes to technology, there is not that same diversity, is not that same wide range. You have a very narrow portal to get onto, right. the, onto the World Wide Web, and it is now being strangled so, because they want, to, they want to protect Joe Biden. So, Michael Goodwin, just for people to understand, this isn't you. Michael Goodwin has a source that tells him that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were working with another nation to hurt, to hurt him. This is emails that weren't found by Russia. They were dropped off by Hunter Biden to a repair shop. And when he didn't show up and he didn't return their calls, they didn't call the media. They didn't call the inquirer. They called the FBI. And we have not seen that laptop since. We have not got confirmation it's in there. So he says, I made a copy of this. And here it is. And this is from a Delaware computer shop. So what is the you'll reprint an Atlantic article that nobody directly heard what the president said these horrible things about dead soldiers. No problem. The New York Times. I don't know where where these tax forms are, where you got this this big story about what the president paid and didn't pay. But you can reprint that. But you can't reprint exact emails that aren't denied to be the emails of Hunter Biden. And they link. Not only is he a drug addict and he deserves it, people know drug addicts and it's a horrible thing, but my problem is not that. He was still doing an international business deal worth billions of dollars and paying his dad, according to these emails. And that's really what the issue is, Brian. It's about protecting Joe Biden. Uh, as you say, Twitter and Facebook have had no problem sharing bogus information from the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN. It's, it's groupthink. The people who run Twitter, who are in charge of these kind of censoring, they're all Democrats. They're all voting for Joe Biden. Ninety percent of the contributions that come from these companies go to Democrats. So this is not a new problem. I mean, this is a kind of revolving door. You know, it used to be in Washington that you left the White House or the Congress and you went to work yeah. as a lobbyist or whatever. That's still true. But there are a lot of them who leave governments and then go to work for big tech. 
back. And so they are a kind of revolving door problem all unto themselves. And so, as you put it, you're right. They are stopping a legitimate newspaper, the New York Post, where I write. They are stopping the Post from sharing this information. Now, it is interesting. Hunter Biden has not said those are not my emails. Joe Biden has not said the emails are false. What it, and what Joe Biden's campaign said uh, was that, well, there's nothing on Joe Biden's schedule from uh, 2015, I believe it was, that says he met with this uh, Ukrainian advisor to Burisma. But they also go on to say, we can't say the men never met because it might have been an unofficial meeting. So I well, want you to hear that nice. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, that, that, and, and listen, yeah, that, they don't want to cover it. They want to say it's Russian disinformation. It's not Russian disinformation. And John, uh, by the way, the director of national intelligence has just said that is not true. Russia has nothing to do with this. So Jenna Arnold, the Biden campaign surrogate, was on over the weekend because they will not put any people up uh, for us. Cut 16. So much of this is unconfirmed. Okay, well, okay, okay, so Jenna, Jenna, it's real simple. You say it's unconfirmed. Tell us what parts are not true. I mean, Hunter Biden knows what emails he has and hasn't sent. Are you saying in the campaign saying that these emails aren't his? It's unclear to me. I would say that what's so important right now from both the American citizen and the media, yourself included, Leland, is to continue to ask clarifying questions about this, why the FBI is investigating. Whoa, but it's whoa, imperative you... to note that the NSA told Trump that Giuliani was being played by these emails. But, but, but again, again, Jenna, time. Jenna, the easiest, Jenna, Jenna, the easiest thing the in the world to do, stop okay. with all the obfuscation. The easiest thing in the world to do would be to say these aren't Hunter Biden's emails. Nobody, including Hunter Biden and including the campaign, has said it. Right. And they're just going to play at the clock. Joe Biden's not doing any events until the debate. Yeah. And, and and the same with uh, Kamala Harris. I mean, they are hiding because they know the media is protecting them. They will not answer these questions because, as, as, that, as you just uh, showed there, Brian, they will not even just answer the simple thing. Why hasn't Hunter Biden come forward then? In fact, Rudy Giuliani has said Hunter Biden's lawyer called the shop and said, we want our we want our laptop back. Now, isn't that a confirmation yes. that, that the emails? I mean, so you're then left with, oh, well, we don't know that Hunter Biden wrote that email. Well, let's hear from Hunter Biden. Let's hear from Joe Biden. Is there, Was there a meeting? You have suggested the possibility that there was a meeting. Because just for the listeners who aren't clear, the email, said, the email is from the Burisma advisor thanking Hunter Biden for setting up the meeting with Joe Biden. So the significance, of course, is that Joe Biden, who has said he knew nothing about his son's business dealings, is actually holding a meeting with a Burisma advisor at the, at the request of his son to help the company. And that brings into sharp relief Joe Biden's bragging about getting the prosecutor fired. That's what the company was worried about, that they were being going to be prosecuted by, in Ukraine. And so when Joe Biden... Biden fires that prosecutor and says, you know, we did, they weren't going to get federal American money without it. That then takes on a new significance. But, you know, Brian, I want, I want to just say quickly, it's not just about Ukraine. 
there are emails China. on that laptop about China, and they directly put Joe Biden as part of a deal in 17, 2017. Sharing an office with House. a Chinese Communist Party executive in with Joe Biden. He says, my, my, uh, my father, Joe Biden, and Jill Biden need keys to the office. Uh, yes. Really going to be sharing about an investment, an energy investment company with China. Why would he crack down on China? Remember, he says they're good folks, folks, famously. Yep. They're not yep. problems. Then he realizes I'm in the wrong era. I better change my tune. So that's well, why it matters. It, and, and you have the question of what was American policy corrupted to satisfy Hunter Biden's need for money? And what role did the vice president play in his son's schemes? His, his denial that he knew anything was never credible. Remember, Hunter Biden flew at least once with Joe Biden to China on Air Force Two. Now, we are supposed to believe that they never discussed on a, on a round trip for, to China, to <laughs> Beijing and back, that they never once discussed Hunter Biden's reason for going to China, which was to secure $1.5 billion commitment from a Chinese bank to a Hunter Biden investment fund. Now, really, I mean, nobody, nobody thinks the father and the son, who are very, very close, understandably, that they never discussed. Joe Biden never says, Hunter, what are you doing on my plane? Why are you going to China? Who are you seeing? And afterwards, gee, Hunter, how was your trip? Did you make – what you do here? Oh, you just went sightseeing? Come on, man. He doesn't ask these questions. It's not credible. And I think that, Brian, there, as you mentioned, there are more emails coming. There's a lot of information out there now. More, I believe, will be coming in, in very gotcha. quickly. And I think we'll get a fuller picture of Joe Biden's role in helping Hunter Biden make money. Wherever Joe went, Hunter went along. Remember, that's okay. one of the emails said 50% goes to the big guy. The big guy. Ukraine, is, yeah. U- Ukraine China, Kazakhstan. Uh, you, uh, we're going to see a pattern. And the yeah. pattern is wherever Joe Biden is the point man for America, the Biden family gets rich. Right. Now, well, if that is not a pattern that troubles people, then I don't know what people are thinking about what the role of their government should be. Right. If you want to hear Michael Goodwin, don't go on uh, Twitter. Don't go on Facebook. You have to come to this show, watch Fox News and read his columns in the Post. But you might have to physically get it. Maybe the social media world will stop us from downloading like I do every day uh, and read your stories. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Fourth leading uh, paper in the country had their Twitter account disabled because of emails that they got that were authenticated of Hunter Biden. Don't tell me that this is a fair and even race and still the president can win. Listen and pick up on some things you didn't know before. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. But I agree with you uh, that we shouldn't take anything for granted in these last few weeks. 
Uh, and it is still possible for President Trump to win re-election. That's why I say don't focus on the national polls. Focus on getting out and voting. Uh, he is doing anything but getting out and working hard, Joe Biden. For five days, he's going to study debate prep. Really? This far in, five days you do debate prep? You must be so overconfident you're going to win, or they are so worried that he's going to be out of energy or say something or have to confront this New York Post story. He took off Saturday, did one event Sunday, and now will take off until Thursday. Beth is listening in uh, Florida. Hey, Beth. Hello. What, is, uh, what does the president have to do in this debate? All right. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Well, actually, um, it's his style. It's uh, his rallies versus his debate style. And he's so good on his rallies. But the problem there is he gets off. He keeps going on and on. He can embellish things. Uh, he, you know, he just t- takes off on a thing. So what, we, what I want him to do is not get rattled, uh, be calm and uh, look determined voice. I uh, want to have specific answers for all of these bullet points. In other words, if they're talking about COVID, the question has to do with COVID Give a direct answer. Give the information clearly, brief, few words as possible, but be comprehensive in his positive uh, outlook. He needs to look at the candidate and, and the camera, not at the moderator, okay, because he's not arguing with them. Yeah. He needs to have quick, clear answers, and if need be, if they cut him off, he needs to swing back around to that last question and finish it up in his style. But he has to be he has to have these bullet points. He has to be very clear. I know, but he's not going to tra- he's not going to transform his delivery. But if you're going to talk about race relations, I want to know how many opportunity zones they had. If he's going to talk about how things are better for minorities under his administration prior to covid. Give me give me some stats to go along with that. And also listen to what Joe Biden's saying and understand his programs. No, there's no substitute for him, him understanding what Joe Biden's proposing to take a look at Joe Biden's new Green Deal and understand what it means. Means because he knows what it means. By looking at it, he'll see the holes in it. By raising taxes on capital gains, he'll know that everyone's going to stop investing in the stock market or they're going to trade immediately. If you raise taxes in the middle of a pandemic, it'll be a disaster. He's got to say why. And he can do it. He knows it. They've been debating it in the Oval Office every day. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Like Joe Biden, uh, I'm not a fan of expanding the court, but um, we have a few weeks here to see whether there are four Republicans who will step back from this precipice. It is the Republican majority that's responsible for racing forward uh, with this extreme, unqualified nominee, unqualified because of her extreme judicial philosophy. We happen to be in the fact pattern where we have a President Biden. We'll have to look at what the right steps are to rebalance our federal judiciary. So your mind is open about adding justices to the Supreme Court, yes or no? Just your mind is open? Yes. So they're open to packing the court and changing 
the Supreme Court, a branch of government for the first time in over 150 years. Is that okay with Jim DeMint, former senator from South Carolina? He's chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute and a best-selling author. His latest book is They're Lying to You, Ten Lives That Shape Your Truth. Uh, Jim DeMint, welcome back. Uh, Brian, it's great to be with you. It, it's amazing to hear the conversation today, and that's really what the book is about. It's We're no longer fighting about differences in opinion. We've got totally different realities that we're dealing with, and it's hard to have a conversation with someone who who has a whole worldview based on lies. Well, I mean, they're basically saying now, Chris Coons and I guess Joe Biden eventually when she is confirmed – we're going to stack the court. We're going to add five or seven new Supreme Court justices. But do people understand what that means? I don't think so. Packing the court probably doesn't mean much. Uh, they're also talking about packing the Senate, adding two states that they know will vote Democrat and Puerto Rico, and then taking D.C. and making it a state. Uh, but they're doing everything they can to advance their agenda and all other ways except uh, democracy and in the way that we normally operate. But you know what it means, Brian. There, there are nine justices on the court. If you add five very liberal justices, then suddenly the balance is completely changed to the left to push their agenda. And it, it really is a scary thing because you make the, uh, the court totally political rather than an objective referee, which is what it's supposed to be. Exactly. And but this will be three uh, Supreme Court justices for the president of the United States in one term. Uh, unthinkable. And man, she was so good last week, Amy Coney Barrett. They couldn't even make fun of her on Saturday Night Live. And they didn't even bring her up on the Sunday shows, which are all left wing. So let's bring it to some uh, a position you used to have. And that's the Senate. In the top 14 Senate races, Democrats more than doubled the fundraising of Republicans. Get this, a total of $363 million to 143 In your former state, in your state, South Carolina, Jamie Harrison raised $57 million for the third quarter. That's more than double Lindsey Graham. Where is this money not- coming from and what does it tell you? Well, I hope we can find out someday where the money's coming from, because it's not coming from South Carolina. It's not coming from the traditional sources, and people are generally limited what they can give candidates. So what they're doing is using all of these uh, shell groups that they are passing this money through. Uh, But it's just incredible in a race that they didn't think they could win, that they're willing to spend that kind of money. And it's because they have so much uh, extra money that's coming from the left, I think, all over the world to try to change America fundamentally at, at its core. You have uh, Democratic challengers. They've raised so much money. They now have a Kentucky seat in play. Well, you could say that uh, by Mitch McConnell always pulls it out. Texas, I think Corn is in the lead, but not by as much as usual. And Mississippi. So do you think those three seats, do they worry you? Well, everything worries me now, mostly because the change in how we're voting. People don't have to show up in person to vote, so that opens the door for a, a whole lot more fraud than we're used to dealing with. And, and But I, I really think, Brian, and, and we're all just guessing at this point, that there is going to be a wave uh, for Donald Trump that's going to help bring a lot of these Senate candidates back because I think the left has really revealed themselves for what they are and the crazy things they talk about from defunding the police to changing how the Supreme Court works to changing the Senate. I mean, everything is just designed to advance their agenda uh, in a a way that's uh, completely unheard of in America. 
But this is the first time in my lifetime a presidential candidate is just going under the wire. Doesn't do any events, uses the pandemic, I think, as an excuse. Uh, does not does not attract a crowd. They say they don't want a crowd. Then why even traveling? And they say, well, for local reporters, you could do that on Zoom. So it makes no sense. And then he says, I'm putting the lid on this because I'm doing debate prep. Five days. He must think he won already. So the reporters followed his family to the ice cream store. Listen to this question, Senator DeMint. Cut nine. We got everybody in milkshakes, didn't we? Yes, sir. Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden, what flavor did you get? We got one vanilla, one chocolate, but I wanted to get a what we call black and white. Do you believe this? I, I, I can't believe it. I, I wish I'd gotten questions like that when I was running for the Senate about what flavor I'm ordering. Um, that it, the the imbalance here, the the bias. Uh, the outright right lies that we're hearing. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you ever scan the other media in the morning like I do. I'll, I'll look at what Fox has online and all the others. It, it is like we're living in two different worlds uh, with completely different truths about uh, about reality. So let's talk about your book. Uh, they said they're lying to you. Ten lies that shape your truth. What, what lie have we been told about race? Well, we're, we're being told that America is racist, and this book is just a short little book. We're practically giving away. I think it's five ninety nine on on Amazon. But what what they're doing, Brian, is creating this worldview that tries to separate us and alienate us from our God and our country. Create a whole group of victims. Convince us that the only thing that can save us is is big government. So I just go through the facts. So for instance, America is racist. If you look at the facts on any front. But that's not true. Certainly we had trouble with racism 30 or 40 years ago, but everything has flipped since then. And when you come in and call the police racist, when more white people are shot than blacks and the blacks that are shot are more often shot by black police, you, you certainly have problems there, but you can't fix them if you're blaming on, on something that doesn't even exist. What about uh, in terms of gender and privilege? Well, that we, we have a chapter on lies that white people are privileged and women are disadvantaged. Facts are just not there. In fact, there are more poor people and uh, white people in this country than if you look at all the other races. Uh, white people make less than a lot of uh, Latino Americans and Cuban Americans. Uh, if, if you, all we're trying to do, Brian, is show the facts. And the problem in America today. It's a decline of, of men. More women are going to a law school, to medical school. More women are starting businesses. Women are moving ahead in America, but the men are declining, and most of the crime and the drugs and the suicides uh, are from the men's side. So, I, again, we can't solve problems if, if we don't know what's causing them. And the problem in America today is not white privilege or women being disadvantaged being for the greedy, which is another big lie, or open borders or compassionate. These are just big frameworks of, of false truth that are trying to shape America in a completely different way than, than, it's, than, than has built our success. So, again, it's a short book, Brian, and I just want people to look at the facts. All they have to do is look at a couple of pages of each chapter to question things like climate change is uh, the greatest threat to mankind. I mean, there's just no statistical way that man-made carbon dioxide 
is raising the temperatures on Earth. It's just time we look at the facts and at least have an honest debate. Absolutely. The other thing is this New York Post story. Talk about honesty. The New York Post story that was able to uncover some emails from Hunter Biden's laptop left at a computer store in Delaware. Now the big pushback is it's it's Russian disinformation when it is legitimately, it seems to be his email, and they're supposed to implicate Joe Biden. When you were in the Senate, did you hear about some unsavory things going on with the Biden family? Well, yeah, there are always rumors about a lot of things, but most of this has been protected by the media for years. And and if anything like this had happened in the Trump family, it would be 24 hours a day news. I mean, just like it was with the hoax of Russia, they made that a truth that they knew was built on lies. I mean, all the Democrats that voted to um, impeach President Trump knew that that was built, the whole case was built on lies. And it's just astonishing that you can get people to walk in lockstep based on ideas that they know is not true. But one of the things we mention in, in the book, Brian, is when they think their cause is so noble and justified, as we've heard in several interviews from Antifa and others, that they're willing to cheat and steal and do whatever's necessary because they feel like the other side, our side, is doing that. But it's just not true. Yeah, I, I want you to hear uh, Republican Senator Ben Sass, and we have two great stations in Nebraska that listen to the show. I was stunned to see this unsolicited rip on the president that you would expect to come from, I don't know, Pete Buttigieg. Listen. There are obviously a lot of places where he and I differ as well. Um, and these aren't just mere policy issues. So the, the way he kisses dictators' butts, I mean, the way he um, ignores that the Uyghurs are in literal concentration camps in Xinjiang. The United States now regularly sells out our allies under his leadership. The way he treats women and spends like a, a drunken sailor, he mocks um, evangelicals behind closed doors. His, his family is treated the presidency like a business opportunity. So you see he's just going on a list of Democratic talking points when the president's business has been destroyed since he ran for president. In uh, evangelicals, I have never heard him say anything negative, and I see him a lot behind closed doors about the religious community, period. And to kiss up with dictators, he'll deal with anybody. That's always been the way he played it. Why would a Republican, weeks from an election, do this? Uh, Brian, I, I don't know. Uh, ben Sass is a, a good senator, a, a great guy, but this is completely unacceptable. And going down the home stretch to an election, unless and, and, and Ben wants to elect Biden, I've been with Trump a lot. In fact, my, my book had a whole chapter on Trump, uh, but our lawyers, because we're a nonprofit and give him the way, said we couldn't do it. But I find that just as you have, is, is he is astonished at, uh, uh, at evangelicals and how they support the right policies. Uh, he, he has done more for foreign policy to make our uh, allies respect us and, and our enemies fear us. Uh, it, it, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the best presidents we've had from a policy position in, in my lifetime. And certainly we've got some fiscal issues to deal with after this election, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but President Trump, more than anyone I've, I've seen, wants to keep the promises that he made to America, and he's doing it. He's checking it off a list every time he accomplishes something. So, Senator, it was so interesting. I look at a guy like you who couldn't be more different than the president. You're very low-key. This is the policy. This is how I want to get it done, work behind the scenes. The president's out front. Never, un, never, He doesn't have a thought. He doesn't tweet out. Yet you accept him on who he is. 
to Lindsey Graham accepts what? him on who he is. Mark Thiessen, a guy who's more 43 than anything else, goes, okay, good and bad. He called out Karl Rove before. He said, don't buy Karl Rove's book. Karl Rove's helping him get elected. You know, offering advice. See, so why why are some people saying he's not like me? I can't handle him, and not looking at policy like you. Well, I used to teach team building and corporation, and it takes all kinds to move a country or a company forward. And and Trump is a visionary, and he's a salesman, and he's trying to make people see things that aren't there yet. And he is a backslapper, a salesman, a big talker. But it's only because he thinks big and he's a visionary. And he, yeah, I'm not low key and, I, and I'm, maybe I'm much nicer, but nice doesn't work in Washington. And Brian, frankly, I think his style is exactly what we need right now to fight all of the things that are pushing back. I mean, most of the things they call him uncivil for is retaliation against all the the lies and vilification. There's been no public figure in my lifetime who's been more lied about and vilified and mischaracterized than Donald Trump. And just like in football, when you retaliate, they throw the flag at you, and that's what happens to Trump. He doesn't take it. He fights back. He counterpunches, and they say he's the one who's uncivil. But it's just the opposite of that. He's, He's attacked 24 hours a day every day. I don't blame him for for hitting back against these guys, and it's time that more people mm-hmm. did that. Jim, you got out at just the right time. Jim DeBint, former senator from South Carolina. Are you predicting a Lindsey Graham victory? Yes, I am. Yes, South Carolina is smarter than that. And, and Jamie Harrison, nobody knew who he was until they started spending millions of dollars. He's just a candidate made by the left. He doesn't do fundraisers. The money just flows in from all over the world. Uh, yeah, South Carolina is too smart, and I think America is too smart to, jo- to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, uh, well, we'll, we'll go, we're about to find out. And I'll tell you what: if the, if if Trump wins going away, don't ever look at another poll again. Uh, yeah, exactly, Jim. Jim Demint, thanks so much. Congratulations on your book; it's now out. It's called "They're Lying to You: Ten Lies That Shape Your Truth." And you can follow Jim at Jim Demint until Twitter uh, disables his account. Jim, thanks so <laughs> That's much. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. All right. Back in a moment with your calls. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. There's so much to go over here. I want to go over one other thing that that took place. Maybe we have a little bit of time. Jake Tapper had on Laura Laura Trump. And they're going back and forth. And Jake Tapper clearly has just disdain for the Trump family, especially her. And then he brings up... That Joe Biden has a stutter. That's why he makes so many mistakes. Really? Joe Biden has a stutter? I'm comparing Joe Biden to Joe Biden. So he rolls this little kid who stutters, sadly, and says what an inspiration that Joe Biden is. That's great. Has nothing to do with the Joe Biden that we see at 77 year old on the stump. Cut seven. How do you think it makes little kids with stutters feel when they see you make a comment like that? Uh, first and foremost, I had no idea 
that Joe Biden ever suffered from a stutter. I think what we see on stage with Joe Biden, Jake, is very clearly a cognitive decline. Okay. That's what I'm referring to. It makes me uncomfortable. You, have, you are to no absolutely. It's so amazing. It's so amazing to me and, that, and, that and try and figure out an answer. A cognitive decline. Well, when you're trying you, to tell you, me that what I was suggesting was I a think stuttering, that you were mocking I his no stutter. Idea, yeah, I think you were mocking his stutter, well, and I think you have absolutely no standing to diagnose somebody. So, do you understand? Do I even need to say anything right now? Joe Biden, I'm comparing Joe Biden to Joe Biden. Put Joe Biden in 2008 and put him now. That's the problem. He eats his own words. He one line runs into the next. That's why President Trump actually did helped him out by interrupting him. You let him finish, he talks himself into circles. And it's not just saying to people, you could go into a 7-Eleven, you can't go into a 7-Eleven without, without finding somebody with Indian accent. That's another example of Joe Biden just being possibly unworthy of the office, including his Senate seat. And when you see the fact that he can't give a speech without a teleprompter, he doesn't know his tax plan without a flashcard, when he goes out and speaks to 10 people and refuses to take questions for weeks at a time, that shows a guy who's been handled by people who know he's not the same guy. Nothing to do with his stutter. And to roll a 10-year-old kid in there and say, Larry, Trump has no heart is insane. But that happens nonstop. It doesn't mean it's acceptable. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. To go to briankilmeadeshow.com. Get the podcast anywhere you want. Don't move. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Jonathan Turley standing by. We're thrilled that he is once again uh, with our network, and he's the legal expert that puts in a layman's terms that even I can understand. And Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour brings us inside what it's like on debate week. We think we're going to have a debate. Pretty sure we will have a debate. But we thought we'd have one last week, too. I think we all lost by not having one. Disappointed in the topics, I'll tell you that. Uh, and as well with what I could see, this moderator as well. And I'm just mystified by this story in the New York Post that's been blocked on social media. I never thought something like this that wasn't innuendo or, implicate or Im- implied information. It was empirical information. And it's banned because it seems to be negative towards the candidate. Everybody uh, in the establishment wants to win. The president of the United States, no one told him he's not going to win. In fact, he has between two and five events scheduled over the next 15 days. He had seven last week coming off that uh, positive coronavirus test, which is pretty amazing. And I just let me look at uh, Joe Biden's schedule. I have it here. Wait, he is doing nothing. Took off Saturday, one event Sunday, got some ice cream at some point, and now will take off until debate week. No question he thinks he won. So before we get to Jonathan Turley, big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The U.S. is averaging more than 56,000 new cases a day now, up 60% in five weeks. Remember, cases are what's known as a leading indicator. First more cases, then more hospitalizations, then more death. Nearly the entire country is either trending the wrong way or at best treading water. 
Really? Okay. Uh, COVID-19, a second wave blankets Europe. Ominous signs for a spread here. 36 states see his trend going upwards. Meanwhile, a rescue package. It's got 48 hours to pass, according to Nancy Pelosi. It looks like they got to pass what they call a skinny bill in the Senate. Number two. A new Gallup poll shows that most Americans agree with what Donald Trump has done uh, with his policy positions over Biden. They just don't like his behavior. That's why that next debate is so important. Trump has to be on his best behavior. Yeah, there you go. Two big, consequential, impactful events this week. Supreme Court nominee gets a committee vote. And finally, get another presidential debate. What will this mean for both parties' election hopes? We'll talk about it. Number one. President Trump is winning in these rural parts of the country in unprecedented uh, numbers. I mean, the hard thing for these pollsters, they can't measure this kind of disparity between the rural parts of this country and what's happening in the suburbs. Reince Priebus coming in for some expertise. It might be helping out the campaign, too. 15 days until Election Day. Already a stunning 27 million have voted. Biden and other Dems have the money and the media, but Trump has the momentum, the crowds, and an unfolding Biden scandal. Uh, Welcome officially Jonathan Turley, law professor at George Western University, Fox News contributor. Hey, Jonathan. I'm sorry, do we got you there? Hey, Jonathan. I have you. Do you hear me? Yeah, now we got it. We're set. <laughs> so, so Jonathan, first off, uh, before I want to talk to Coney, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and my unofficial barometer on how she'll do or did is not what you use, and you might want to use this with your students. Feel free to give me credit. Instead of looking at what she said and what she did and asking people how they're going to vote, why don't you see how she was mocked on SNL? The answer was she wasn't. Why don't you see how many people brought up controversial statements she said over the weekend on the Sunday shows? How about none that I could see? That shows you how strong her nomination is, I think. Well, I think that's true. Uh, part of the problem for the Democrats is that she's sort of the Rocky Balboa of nominees. They hit her with everything they had in the appellate confirmation process, uh, short of an actual chair. And it really did not take her down. Uh, And so this time, they sort of stayed out of her reach. Uh, She's very nimble, very able in dealing with hostile questions. They knew it would not play well on television. So we have this rather odd confirmation hearing where they talked past the nominee to (laughs) voters and primarily talked about the next election as opposed to the next confirmation. Does it, um, number one, I, I guess she's going to get a committee vote this week and then a floor vote the following week, and then we'll see what happens. They, If they get four Dem- Republicans to flip, this whole nomination goes bust, and if the president doesn't win, Joe Biden gets to make the to fill the seat. So listen to what Chris Kuhn said. Cut 12. Like Joe Biden, uh, I'm not a fan of expanding the court, but um, we have a few weeks here to see whether there are four Republicans who will step back from this precipice. It is the Republican majority that's responsible for racing forward uh, with this extreme unqualified nominee, unqualified because of her extreme judicial philosophy. We happen to be in the fact pattern where we have a President Biden. We'll have to look at what the right steps are to rebalance our federal judiciary. So your mind is open about adding justices to the Supreme Court, yes or no? Just your mind is open? Yes. Does that bother you? I was really quite shocked by that interview. Coons is a very smart individual. He indicates that he that he realizes packing the court 
is an extreme and destructive act. And yet he, he talks like he's trying to get himself in the position to do the wrong thing. It's like a kid saying, I didn't hit him until he hit me. That's not a moral argument. That's not a legal argument. What, what Coons was saying is that if they do something we disagree with, then we're, we're absolutely you know, free to do an act that Ginsburg herself said would destroy the court. Ginsburg, before she died, vehemently opposed proposals to pack the court. And it's also notable that he said that she's unqualified because of her legal view. So the position of the Democrats is now that they will vote against a nominee solely based on their expectation of her votes in future cases. That is a departure from the traditional standard. For most of the history of this country, senators have said as a mantra that they will vote for a nominee who they disagree with in terms of judicial philosophy as long as she is qualified. Now they're saying she's only qualified if I agree with her judicial philosophy. Which has never been the case before. There's been a lot of heated arguments, but no one. So this is really mind boggling in that he is the guy who's supposed to be level headed. Correct. This isn't Maisie Hirono. Yeah. And all those senators that voted for Ginsburg didn't vote for her because they agreed with her philosophy. They voted with her because she was undeniably qualified And this is a very dangerous precedent. I've never seen in any confirmation hearing senators demanding assurances how a nominee would vote on a pending case. All of those giant photos around the hearing room were hammering away that, as as a number of them said expressly, that that they will vote against her if they think she will vote against the ACA. And so they created these pictures, which were really inappropriate. It made her look like some type of judicial serial killer, like these are her (laughs) victims. And, of course, we have no idea how she will vote on the ACA case because it's not about the ACA as a whole. It's about a very narrow question of severability. And it doesn't look like that question is going to be close. It looks like there's at least two conservative justices that will vote to sever one provision and save the rest of the act. Yeah, and so you're looking ahead to the decision that will come in November and all those pictures and those families and those stories, which might be gripping, don't really apply here. Uh, I was amazed that we continued to play this game as if I want you to meet the Ryan family. The Ryan family is counting on Obamacare, and if you take it away, they, have, they promise to all die together, uh, Russian czar style. And it was one story after another. And I'm looking at Amy Coney Barrett like, what are you say, telling me this for? It's a case I can't even look at, let alone judge. Can we move on and talk about what kind of judge I'll be? The other thing I'd like to do with you, if I can, Jonathan, now that you're officially with the network and don't charge me by the hour, is, is what's going on with this, with the emails that popped up in the New York Post from Hunter Biden on a laptop he had dropped off on his own and signed a sheet a work order sheet. He brought in three, uh, left one, never came back, returned calls. They looked at the hard drive, and then they called the FBI. Here's Senator Ron Johnson on why Twitter and Facebook have prevented anyone from retweeting or sending this out and why no one's talking about it. Cut 18. The FBI has a duty to inform us. If, if they believe this is maybe you know Russian disinformation, 
They should give us a defensive briefing. They should tell us about that. If, for example, they also believe that what information this whistleblower gave us is fraudulent, that would also be a crime, and the FBI should tell us that. So we're trying to suss out of the FBI what do they know and when do they know it. But the larger question really is, if they had this information, and these are genuine emails, and it would probably reveal all kinds of things that would have been very relevant to the impeachment case, why did they sit on it? Are they covering up just because Hunter Biden might be engaged in things that also maybe should have been investigated and possibly prosecuted? A lot of layers to all this because the FBI evidently got the laptop, but they're not acknowledging it yet. Where do you go from here? Well, this is all very troubling. As I've written in a couple of columns, it could very well be true that this is part of a foreign intelligence operation or not. But that's a separate question from whether these are the emails and the laptop of Hunter Biden. Hillary Clinton was hacked by a Russian operation, but the emails were true. I mean, that's the whole point of hacking someone is that you produce real emails. Otherwise, the person can come and just show it's a lie. And as I wrote recently uh, on Fox.com, there's three things that the Biden campaign has not done, which are very telling. It, it, it's, it's sort of the, the Sherlock Holmes problem of the dog not barking. You always expect three barks to follow a story like this. The first bark is, this is not Biden, Hunter Biden's computer. The second bark is, these are not Hunter Biden's emails. And the third bark is, this is defamation, and we're suing. They've done none of those things. And instead, you have people like Schiff and others saying this is just all a smear without dealing with the specific email. And so that's what concerns me. I'm perfectly willing to to see an investigation as to whether this was manipulated by a foreign government. That's important to know. But we still have the same question that the media covered earlier with the Russian investigation. There were lots of of emails and other sources that were cited to support Russian collusion. The media never stopped for a second to say, well, we really don't want to report on that because we have to confirm their accuracy. But suddenly, no one's reporting this. There's a virtual news blackout. Have you ever seen anything like this? I haven't. And it's part of this corrosive trend in the media. You know, recently a Stanford professor said that journalism has to do away with the concept of objectivity and just be social activist. And many of us said, boy, that would destroy journalism forever. But if you look at what's happened in this controversy, that seems to be what indeed is happening, right? That objectively, yeah. this is a major story regardless of which way it turned. Jonathan, I do, I'm just thinking about this now. What happened two weeks ago? Word came out that John Brennan, CIA director at the time, briefed President Obama about, a, about the Hillary Clinton's effort to paint the Trump, the Trump team, which he was a candidate at the time, as having pro-Russian ties. So John Brennan, in, in retrospect, when this came out, says this is taken out of context, we thought this might have been Russian disinformation. What did we just hear from Adam Schiff? Oh, this is we briefed the administration that Rudy Giuliani might be used to get Russian disinformation forward. One has nothing to do with the other. Number one, the president never heard that. Robert O'Brien never heard that. 
And Rudy Giuliani wasn't briefed on that. And these are, if this is correct, and there is some shady things to this whole thing that I don't get, but if this is correct, that the guy with the hard drive couldn't get Hunter Biden to call him back, calls the FBI, the FBI takes it, but he made a copy of it before they left to the hard drive, and they haven't seen it yet. It's hard for me to think the Russians are behind this. Where's the Russian element of it? Well, the important thing for me is it wouldn't matter if the emails are true. It wouldn't yeah. matter in the sense that we need I, to find I, I hear what you're saying. Yep. Enact, but the, the example you gave is a good one. The Hillary Clinton briefing was important enough to brief the president, but it also happened at a time when we know the, Hillary, the, the Clinton campaign was pushing the Steele dossier, which they funded. We also know that the Hillary campaign repeatedly lied to the media and denied that they had funded the Steele dossier. And even the New York Times, after the election, said they lied to us uh, when they finally found evidence that it was, in fact, the Clinton campaign that had funded the dossier. Unbelievable. I hope people can follow us because I'm outraged by this. But sometimes I wonder when people are driving to the car, they put on the radio and they say, when did this happen? Because it's something you almost have to follow every day, like General Hospital, which I gave up on a few years ago because I got this job during the day. So you can't really follow a soap opera if you miss a couple of days. So I feel like we lose a lot of people in this, but it's it is important stuff. Uh, Jonathan Turley, thanks so much. I'm glad you I'm glad you're back with us. Thanks, Brian. Good to be back. All right, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. So when we come back, I'll take some of your calls. Then at the bottom of the hour, we welcome in Brett Bear, and I'll, I'll talk to him too about some of the topics that are a rerun of the first debate. Why? Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. When you have a million deaths and over 30 million infections globally, you cannot say that we're on the road to essentially getting out of this. So quite frankly, I don't know where we are. It's impossible to say. To me, that soundbite is perfect Anthony Fauci. Does it sound sincere? Yeah. Did I get anything out of that statement? Never. I never get anything out of what he says. Ever. Because he's on every side of every issue. He's never ahead of the curve, ever. But people look up to him because he's trustworthy and looks and reminds me of Phil Rizzuto, who in the New York area, everybody knows Phil Rizzuto. He used to sell the money store because he was so trusted. He was everybody's uncle, grandfather, nice. Nothing negative to say about him except for please tell me something different, something prognostic, some prognostication that might come correct. He actually does policy by interview. Adam, listening in Queens on WABC. Hey, Adam. Adam, you there? Uh, Joe, listening WRCN on Long Island. Joe. Brian. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Yeah. Fauci has it spinning in circles. Now, wait a minute. Don't wait a minute. Don't wear gloves. I don't know what to do. I'm listening to you. But uh, listen, Brian, New York 29. Have you heard that yet? It's trending to 29 electoral votes. 
They can go to Trump. We can do this. People are sick of Como. They're tired of his fair leadership. That should have been the title of his book for what he did. Uh, negligent homicide, putting those people, I think it had malicious intent, putting all those people into a nursing home like that, and the nerve that uh, people aren't buried or cremated yet, and he writes a book on leadership. Yeah, this man is- I don't think, I, you know, if you asked him, could this kill 6,000 people, he wouldn't have done it. But he has never apologized or owned up to it. And I have, there's no book that I would have less interest in than Andrew Cuomo's book on beating a pandemic while he's still shutting down different regions of the New York area. It's just ridiculous. Please, whatever you do, don't buy the book. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. These other emails that Breitbart's breaking from Bevan Cooney is is the co-conspirator, the man who's in jail right now. It's totally separate email server. Totally separate emails that also are starting to paint a picture of the corruption, the the vast web of connections in that uh, Hunter Biden, his firms, Devin Archer were involved in. This requires serious investigation in the fact that the mainstream media is su- suppressing this information from the American public is a scandal in and of itself. Uh, that is uh, Senator Ron Johnson, uh, who wants to get to the bottom of, was the FBI given this computer by this computer store owner in Delaware when Hunter Biden was assumedly, he evidently signed this form, dropping off this computer to be fixed because of water damage, he walked in with three, left with one, left one there. Uh, they would, was it given to the FBI? If not, why does the FBI come out and say it? I wonder what Brett Baer thinks about that. You know, Brett is the uh, chief political anchor for Fox News, getting set to host, uh, anchor our coverage of the debate on Thursday, uh, anchor a special report, you know. And also we have a, a the, he is, he's uh, actually the founder of this all-star panel event benefiting the Children's National Hospital. It's his charity. Uh, all events begin on February 13th at the Ritz-Carlton Resort in Naples, Florida. He was able to do it last year. Uh, he's nice enough to ask me to come back this year. And uh, go out for tickets. Go to www.allstarpanelevent.com. And I want to talk about that, too, because there's VIP tickets and everything still available. Our fingers crossed we can actually hold an event. But, Brett, welcome back. Hey, Brian, and thanks for doing it. I mean, the fact that you made the cut two years in a row is really shocking. Right, and it is, and you're the one who actually picks the team, so you're shocked. You shocked yourself. I really did. I really did. <laughs> so, so listen, I want to talk about that at the end, but right now, just to Senator Ron Johnson coming out with those questions, not only do people not, um, uh, other networks not trying to find, uh, asking these questions or trying to find the answers, social media has not even let this story get out. I've never seen anything like this in my life, Brett. Does it bother you? Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, you have to get to the bottom of, of, the authenticity 100 percent but when you have social media companies preventing a store getting out after we saw you know two and a half years of unsourced stories coming to the forefront in the russia collusion uh story uh you know you you wonder what's happening here i think listen we're getting piece by piece we're starting to get more 
of this, I, I I said from the beginning that the whole thing about how Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon factor into this is sketchy, and I said that from the beginning. But there's there are emails here now that Mike Emanuel and others have contacted people on the email chain and have said those people have told them 100% that they received and were in the loop on that email back in 2017. And that was the same email that they have in their server. Uh, so, I mean, it starts to get contemporaneous verification, at least in a couple of these instances. And I think Johnson has a point about looking into it. Now, the Biden campaign could easily say you're getting, you know, punked by Russia or somebody, and these are not authentic. Or they could easily say Hunter Biden denies that these are his emails, but they're not saying that. And at all, I think we need to, you know, at least raise the questions and uh, try to get some answers. So it also the way it's raised, too, is obviously people, everybody listening right now is somebody who knows directly what it's like to be addicted to a substance or alcohol. That's not what we're talking about. And Billy Carter, uh, you know, Roger Clinton, we know, uh, you know, there's family issues with the Reagans. Everybody's got issues. We get it. No one brings up Barron for a great reason. He's 14, 15. You know, the, uh, the adult kids, if they're going to be involved in the campaign, they become open season Ivanka as a policy person. I get it. We know the rules. But it's all related to how Joe Biden may or may not have been benefiting from this and how it may affect his decisions down the line. Why can the New York Times print unverified, as far as we know, tax returns from a source we don't know about and say this is what Donald Trump made, this is what he lost, this is what he owes? Why is that okay, but not okay to put emails which are not denied to be his? Yeah, I think it's a real problem. And um, I think people see that. I don't know if it's going to have an effect on this election or not. I will say that Joe Biden's answer when it came to Hunter Biden in the debate, the first one that you know kind of went off the rails, was very good and was actually, um, to your point, made people feel sorry for you know uh, someone who's dealing with substance abuse issues. That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, this is emails that deal with you know, playing off of allegedly his name and financing a list of people that at least one email suggests that, you know, he's one of the lists. Now, he didn't file with the IRS, so we don't have that, you know, verification. Uh, But there are more things to dig into here that I think uh, it just makes it – very questionable that it's not being looked into besides like us and a few others. Yeah. I mean, for example, I never thought you'd have to go on social media. If you tried to retweet it, not only could you not retweet it, you were, uh, your account was put on ice. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy action. I don't think still has been unlocked. I'm not, I haven't checked this morning, but, um, as of yesterday it was still shut down. So, So, I mean, that's, I don't know. If you look at all of the stories that have surfaced over the past three years and ones that specifically came in false, um, they didn't get locked out. All right. I want to switch to another area of your expertise, and that's the debates. Did Mike Pence show the president how to do it in this respect? 
So what happened is the president was frustrated because before he could get final word in on a topic, they changed topics because he had interrupted before and they just changed topics. So Mike Pence, the vice president, would say, I'll answer your question in just a second, Susan, but I just on that last point, let me finish up. That was totally allowed within the rules, correct? Yeah, you control that time. I mean, it's your two minutes. So you could say, I'll get to your question in just a minute. Let me go back to the last thing that I don't think was fully answered or he said X, Y, Z. And that's your time. And uh, so I, I wonder if if that will be learned. I think uh, the first debate did not go well for the president. His, you know, his handlers say, you know, this was this fired up. Uh, he's a fighter, blah, blah, blah. I just don't think it played, especially with the people he needs to move, which is suburban women. So this is the topics that have been released. Uh, fighting COVID-19, okay, I get it. American families, a little general. Uh, race in America, again. Climate change, again. National security, I hope that parlays into foreign policy and leadership. The top issues for voters in the 2020 election by the Pew Research Center, the economy, that didn't make the cut. Healthcare, that didn't make the cut. Supreme Court appointments, that didn't make the cut. The coronavirus, of course, and violent crime didn't make the cut. I find that unbelievably disappointing because a lot of these race in America and climate change are issues in which, uh, for the most part, Joe Biden says he could do a better job on and maybe uh, traditionally Democrats have a better line there. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that some of these buckets include the economy. Families could be economy. You know, I mean, I think and Chris Wallace pointed this out. It's, you know, the. The topics are fairly generic, but I agree with you. I mean, there's things that were covered in the first debate that going down back down that road. But it is the moderator's choice. You know, it's the dealer's choice and nobody's telling Kristen Welker how to do it. Um, Hopefully it goes smoother than the first one as far as both candidates uh, adhering to the rules. So Kristen Welker, I don't know. Do you know her? I do. Do you find her a uh, non-biased moderator? Yeah, I mean, I hope she plays it really straight uh, to go bend over backwards just to to do that. Um, You know, I think that she's a good reporter. I, you know, I haven't followed her stuff very closely, but um, I think, you know, I hope that there's a a real effort here uh, to not only on time, but also on the tone of, of some of the questions to yeah. both candidates. You know, it bothers me. And, and you know, I, I don't take it personal when you disagree with me. I just know you'll be wrong. Uh, but, Brett, <laughs> does it bother you that her parents are big donors to Obama and Clinton? Does it bother you that she was registered as a Democrat in 2004 and 2012 and is now unregistered? Does, does it bother you that this is the tone of her questioning in uh, an example of her tone of questioning to the president, to Kayleigh McEnany and others. Are you giving Russian President Vladimir Putin the upper hand heading into your talks? See, that's such dishonest reporting. Mr. President, uh, Dr. Fauci said earlier this week that the lag in testing was, in fact, a failing. Do you take responsibility for that? No, I don't take responsibility at all. But I said to many of you multiple times, 
It's a distance of a system. The system was not designed for what it was designed for. It worked very well. Override the governor. You're posing a hypothetical. Faith communities to reopen. Instead of governors don't. We'll leave it to faith communities to reopen. And this tweet that he sent out, he was in no way condoning violence. Call the president to have facts before he tweets anything out. He's the president of the United States. You're accusing the Democrats of having a dark and gloomy message. Trump said yesterday, "Quote: I'm the only thing standing between the American dream and total anarchy, madness, and." chaos how is that positive a little aggressive i don't mind yeah. aggressive I mean, I, listen that, that white house briefing room it's you know it's where the, the questioning has been and i'm hoping that the questions are not like that in and that they won't be if the debate is supposed to go as the debate goes and that is to ask a question to allow the time and then to steer the time between the two candidates. Ideally, it's the candidates that make the moment and not the moderator. And, you know, it's the old Jim Lair uh, model. And if we can get back to that, I think it'll be good. I actually think you would be a great choice, Brett. I don't know. Is there a ballot that we could hand out, a secret ballot? Because I wouldn't <laughs> want to admit I support you. But you would love to do that, right? Of course, yeah. You love it. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, would not be challenge. good at it. I mean, listen, it's it's a real challenge, especially if you have two candidates who are kind of throwing everything at you and not paying attention to the rules or or even one who's who's doing that. I mean, it, it makes it really tough. Oh, wow. It's good. Well, so it's going to be an exciting week. We're going to find out about Amy Coney Barrett and we're going to find out about this. Uh, hopefully there's no there's no potholes that lead us to this debate on Thursday. You're planning on going. I don't think there's anything standing in the way. Joe Biden is shut down for four days now. Does that surprise you in getting ready for this? Not what we've seen from this campaign. It is a little surprising that 15 days out, they call a lid until Thursday. I mean, I don't think we've seen a campaign that has done that. Obviously, people take time off the trail to prepare, but this campaign, I think, is in, you know, get it to the finish line. And they see that they think that they're leading right now and look at the numbers and they are thinking, you know, the less we do, I think the better the chance is that there's not going to be a screw up. I'm guessing that that's the theory because, you know, Kamala Harris will be out uh, today and I assume tomorrow, but four days lid is pretty unique. All right. Uh, finally, if people want to get tickets on February 13th at the Ritz-Carlton at the resort in Naples, Florida, which you also say is a great gift for the holidays and a way to spend Valentine's Day weekend. And you say that because of the studies you've done, not because <laughs> you want them to buy tickets. This is what this is what <laughs> all the research has shown you. Uh, That's right. Tickets are allstarpanelevent.com, correct? That is right. And listen, we're going above and beyond as far as uh, the safety issues. We're going to have uh, testing, which is, as you know, can be expensive for a big group. But we're going to we're going to do it, and um, we're going to make this 100 uh, percent safe. And we're going to raise a lot of money. Last year, we raised a million dollars uh, for Children's National, and. Um, you know, it's, it makes such a difference. It's crazy. And we had a lot of fun. And uh, it so it's going to be you and Char- Charles Payne, um, Shannon Bream, Emily, Emily Campagno, and me. I'm worried about Emily. 
Um, I'm, I think her in an open setting like that, the lack of discipline she shows where the cameras are off, I'm a little worried. Brad, You're a I think, little scared. I'm a little scared. We'll see. She's a newcomer. You'll have I know. to show her the ropes. Oh, I remember what it was like to be a rookie. Uh, thanks so much, Brett. I'll be talking to you about this every week until February. You got it. We'll right. see you, man. Hey, when we come back, I'm going to finish up with your calls from New York to D.C. to Sedona, Arizona to Vermont. I'll get to you all. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Questioning everything. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I wish we were spending a lot more time going into foreign policy, especially as President Trump has these peace deals that he's able to point to. But when you talk about style and you talk about approach, I do think that President Trump is going to give Joe Biden a little bit more room to explain himself on some of these issues, whether it is, are you the chairman? Are you the big guy, as we've seen articulated in these emails? Do you support packing the court? I do think the president's going to want to hear Joe Biden's answer on some of these, and we'll definitely give him all the time that Joe Biden wants to talk about packing the court. I think he's going to get it on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully on Thursday, if we get there that time and just hope this uh, moderator can be fair and balanced. Uh, But another quick note, non sequitur, but it's important. Governor Cuomo has just said he thinks Americans should be very skeptical of a vaccine under Trump. We need someone other than the CDC and FDA to say it's safe. Really? Who? Like you? What are you talking about? Ryan, listening on WABC in Pearl River, New York. Hey, Ryan. Brian, America, the next presidential debate will have a monstrous effect if one presidential candidate will address the big issues, identifying two groups that were rioting, pillaging, looting, and burning down parts of America this year, pointing out, pointing out the groups and individuals who wanted to fund the police, clearly telling the American people that China sent this virus here cutting taxes for working Americans, ending affirmative action, a fancy name for race quotas, deporting illegals, stopping illegal immigration cold. Address these concerns of the middle America, and that candidate will get the votes of a middle America on November 3rd. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if he had a plan for student debt, because that seems to be hitting middle incomes worse than everybody else. Mary, listen, WVMT in Vermont. Mary. Hey, Brian. The, um, the the FBI had the subpoena for the laptop December 17th, and the impeachment started December 19th. The FBI had all the information on the Ukraine, which was all Biden, and they did nothing. President Trump needs to bring in that little weasel, Chris Ray, and uh, talk to him on camera and ask him about it. Thank you. All right. Uh, Greg, FNKFNX, Sedona, Arizona. Greg. Hey, the two main underlying things I would like him to stick to is freedom. And corruption, freedom. He's representing people. It's not about him. Don't take person. Don't let him go after you personally. Ignore that. Virtually ignore their questions. Take a bullet point. Bullet point. Just like what you said earlier. The top five things people are interested in. This debate is a sham. Treat it as a sham. Greg, thanks. Just be respectful. Get your point out, and ta- and let Biden finish, and then he'll finish himself off. That's my hope. The president needs a break. This could be it. 
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.